the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha, your source for real estate market updates and strategies and answers to your real estate lending questions. Now, to provide you with insight and help you navigate the constantly changing world of real estate lending, here's your host, financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Misha Dimitruk here branch manager and senior loan originator at Essex Mortgage and MLS 694427. Joining you as I do to bring you all the information that I can share and provide about what's happening in the real estate lending environment, tips and tricks to aid on your achieving goals in your individual portfolios, and hopefully to present topics to stimulate conversation amongst you, your friends, your family, and strategy. Uh, that's something that a lot of the callers who listen to the show are asking about is looking for a strategy that fits their individual needs. If you have questions about what's possible for you, because I promise you what's possible for you is not the same as what's possible for your neighbor, your favorite bartender, or your favorite hairdresser. And what is available to you is customized to your specific set of criteria. And if you need that strategy laid out for you, if you know you need help in getting to that point where you are prepared to take the next steps on your journey or whatever your goals are, here at Essex Mortgage, our job is to provide you with the information and education you need in order to make informed decisions that you feel good about, that you understand, and more than just understand what you're getting into, but also what you would need to do and how it would look to get out of a process that you've gotten into. We want to make sure that you understand the full aspect of opportunity and availability, and that means enter and exit. So we have a great show for you today. And we always start off with talking about the last week's challenge. For those of you who are new to the show, I do a weekly challenge where I'm asking for input from our listeners. And last week's challenge was about what are your dreams and goals and what are you hoping to achieve? And what is it that's holding you back from being able to get those? Or what challenges do you know that you need to overcome? Or what roadblocks are you even running into? I had some fantastic conversations with people and really am so enamored with the, the greater Bay Area as a whole for the people who call and are just willing to share what it is that they're experiencing and where they find themselves running into a wall or what challenges they have not been able to champion or even conversations that they just haven't been able to have with people that they can confide in because they don't have either the vocabulary or the comfort level um, and they, they need somebody who knows the, the process to be able to sort of draw out from them. So I had a great call with Bernardo. Uh, Bernardo is selling an investment property and it's sort of a complicated sale. And 
he was looking for some information there and the topic of his personal home came about and and he explained that he has both a first and a second mortgage but the second mortgage has a much higher balance and the second mortgage being a line of credit it's on repayment only meaning he can't draw on the funds any longer so he's on a short repayment period and we talked about the reality of the benefits of refinancing. His long-term goals were really to minimize his overhead so that he can retire and enjoy his uh, you know, investments and his life. And refinancing, even with rates where they are right now, it brings him benefit because it provides him stability and a lower monthly payment. So there are a lot of people who are saying, there's no refinances happening right now. There absolutely are. There are people who are consolidating, people who are making shifts, people who are taking cash out in order to make other investments. So please don't discount the opportunities available to you, particularly if you have a first and a second mortgage, a first, a second and a third mortgage. There's a lot of different strategies that are available to people. And I would really encourage you to talk about it with the professionals in this industry. I ran into a client the other day who had taken out a very high interest rate loan where the, the company attached to his ownership in his property. And they now were entitled to a percentage of his market appreciation for whenever they were paid off. And it was a giant disaster when he went to go sell his property. And I said, well, you know, we didn't, you didn't come to me. You didn't talk about it. He said, well, they made it seem like it was going to be so easy and they didn't really explain the attaching to the property and that I would owe them part of the equity. And they kind of threw that in at the end. And I thought, well, that can't mean much. Uh, and it actually made a huge difference to him and the overall what it is that they took from him in order to lend him the money. Um, so having transparent conversation with the people who you have walked through a successful transaction and if you trust their guidance or if you trusted their guidance before, please be willing to have a conversation with them, even if something arises at the end. And particularly if someone or something is presented to you at the end, right as you're about to conclude a transaction and something dramatically different shows up, pump the brakes, make some phone calls, get some information, be sure you understand what it is before you proceed. Do not minimize those last minute inclusions. It's definitely worth your time and energy. Um, my favorite call that I'm going to share with you, though, was with Lillian. And Lillian was a, a fantastic young lady who had set out a, a resolution for the year about her health, but had not included her financial health in it. So she was really looking for some tips on how to create you know, financial stability, you know, good, healthy habits. And uh, I was really enamored by that conversation because you could tell she was looking for information. She was looking to gain that next level of expertise. And, and it was exciting for me to see somebody putting their time and energy into the strategy of how to have a good life and how to build that from a, from a good position. So I asked a little bit about, you know, her, her background and, you know, where she comes from and her philosophies on different financial aspects. And she explained to me that, you know, she had never had a positive conversation with a family member about finances in her entire life, that no one in her family had ever owned a home, that debt was always talked about, uh, you know, in terms of what they're in collection for now, and that they're just never going to pay it. 
Um, she said she's absolutely fearful of credit because she's never seen someone in her personal life successfully manage debt. And she sees that it's really important. She's you know, stepping out on her own for the first time and trying to understand why this credit score that everyone in her family has talked about as such a negative and horrible thing is so important outside those walls. And she's trying her best to learn from the outside world and build back uh, what she didn't gain and mute those negative messages that she's only heard her entire lifetime about debt, about borrowing, about um, even looking down on people who do well financially, people who have structures in place and, um, you know, who, who stick to them. So we talked about starting small, you know, creating those strong habits and review it. It's your finances are not a set it and forget it piece of your life. You're, you're going to have to participate in them and you're going to have to actively manage in order to measure your success. And so we talked about creating a budget and keeping it balanced and checking in on that budget. And there's a lot of different apps that are available now, um, you know, aside from just having a, a whiteboard or a running tally in Excel, you know, however it is that you are managing things, if it works for you, that's great. If you're finding that keeping to your budget and keeping track of those expenses is more of a challenge, there's a lot of amazing apps out there that will help you right now. And um, you know, please let me know if you need some tips on those. But you know, for Lillian, in reviewing each month, making sure she's still on target for her monthly savings goals, her spending goals, and minimizing anything that she isn't actively utilizing, and then exploring her debt opportunities. Now, I talked with her at length about healthy debt and responsible debt management and encouraged her to find her own avenue in this. When you have any situation in life where all you have experienced is negative messaging, but you know it cannot be all that bad, that that's a perspective and you need a different perspective because you're going to have to participate in this. Just in the same aspect that people have a generally, I'll say, negative association with taxes. But there are people who, for their jobs, prepare taxes. They're not terrible people. They're wonderful people who have chosen a profession that is desperately needed to help those who don't want to understand the tax code get through the process. So that's it, there's a lot of different avenues in our lives that they, it can be perceived as negative because it's complicated. It's not straightforward. And it requires participation. I know people who have negative association with fitness and the gym. And yet we all know that if you participate in the gym, you're, you're likely going to get more fit and healthier. The same thing is true with your finances. And if you're willing to take a look at them and to focus on the healthy habits that will get you to the goal that you're seeking to achieve. For Lillian, it was you know sort of a lofty goal. And so I encouraged her to really hone that down. And let's talk about it. You know, what's what's the goal you can set for yourself on a weekly basis? What's the goal on the month? What's the goal on the year? What's the goal in five years? And I said, don't don't try to give yourself beyond 10 years. You know, I don't know any clients right now who are looking realistically planning for beyond 10 years. They have ideas and they have thoughts of what they would like to do beyond 10 years. But their plan is for the next 10. And then they scale backwards from there. How do I get there in five years, what do I need to achieve in order to be there by 10? In three years, what do I need to have in place in order to be where I need to be through the midway point? And what do I need to get done this month in order to start the process 
of moving forward. So I wanna thank all of the callers who participated. Um, Lillian is going to follow up with me and we're going to keep tabs here. And I'm really excited that she will have the opportunity to share with her siblings, with her cousins, with other people in the family that she's changing the message about debt, about savings, about budgeting, about money, about financial stability, and about overall health, because it's absolutely part of your mental health to feel like you are managing, or I, I hold back from saying in control of, because you do have control over it, but empowered by your financial world. Everyone who needs to manage their own finances and take care of themselves financially finds themselves in the position of having to manage that. And I want everyone to feel empowered with the skills that they have or get new skills, achieve something greater by expanding your knowledge base, trying something different, being afraid of what you have never seen anyone else be successful doing in your life before is being a pioneer. If you want to achieve it, even if you've never seen it done, you get smarter, you get more excited about it, you become driven, and you apply what you have learned about how to achieve. And you do that by leveraging the experts in the industry, leveraging knowledge from people who have successfully walked others through the process. And that's available to every person out here. So please give us a call if you have any questions. 831-435-0385. You can email Misha, M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com and find us on Facebook or LinkedIn. We're going to take a break here and be back in just a moment. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with Misha. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area, we are back. So let's talk about rates. Rates have come up, gone down, come up, gone down. Rates change every day, sometimes more than once in a day, without any notice, without any warning. Now, what's been happening over the last few weeks? It's been very quiet. Stagnant was the word that some were using. And then last week, the Fed released a statement that basically said, we're trending in the right direction. They're going to raise interest rates less than they had before, but still raise them, still trying to squash inflation. Now, what happened at the end of last week was that the jobs report came out and there were less people filing for unemployment and more jobs created is the information that was shared and it sent rates into a tizzy. It's not just how the, the markets are reporting today. It's understanding what they're reporting on, what time period they're reporting on. Everything is not in real time. And it's unfortunate because it's not explained when it's relayed out to consumers. What we're looking at are not about numbers and situations that are taking place today, but things that have happened end of fourth quarter last year, first few weeks of this year. Well, we're already into the, the second week of February. And what are we actually talking about right now? We're not talking about the price of eggs that we're seeing in the store. We're not talking about the gas prices that we know are fluctuating still, but coming down. We're talking about reported numbers that are historic at this point to most of us. And if it were in real time, we would be seeing something different. 
So what I want to talk to you about now is the trend. And that's the most important aspect, I think, when we're looking at rates, is the trend is that we are moving in the right direction, that the powers that dictate, and when I say the powers that dictate, I don't mean there's any one person that is necessarily responsible for what mortgage rates do. It's definitely a collaborative effect. And it's what the Fed releases as far as statements. It's about different economic reports. It's global economics, not just here within the United States. So understanding that the trend is that inflation is not expanding rapidly or as rapidly as it had been is a good sign. Because that means that at some point here in the foreseeable future, we're going to stop seeing rate hikes to squash inflation. Because if inflation comes back under rain, then we have the ability to lower interest rates and obtain lower interest rates without sending the entire country into an economic spiral. So what we have seen with the jobs report is that because there were higher than expected jobs created and less people filing for unemployment, we have a better economic system than we had thought. Now, again, that's historic. So if we're looking at, are those seasonal employees? Are those seasonal jobs that were created? Are those jobs still viable jobs? Are those people still working? Or are we going to see in future jobs reports that those jobs are now no longer in existence? And that's what really the hardest part of explaining where rates are is understanding where rates are and why they are where they are. And understanding that that we're never dealing with the present moment. Although rates are happening and changing and shifting in real time, the ability for us to look at what is setting the rate pace or the rate environment is not necessarily based on what's happening today because the pieces of information that are used to uh, calculate rates or to trigger the market, that information that comes out could be about something happening today in real time, but also could be a report that was issued from some agency that issued it based on findings that were calculated weeks and weeks ago based on information that was reported months ago. And that is sort of always the rub, is what, what are we dealing with? What are we looking at? And how accurate is that for the, the moment that we're living in? So while we're seeing an increase in rates today and yesterday, it's marginal. And I do believe that it the overall trend shows and aligns with what it is that we are experiencing, which is that times are tight and money is tough at the moment, but there's opportunity and that there is still benefit for home ownership. And there is still benefit for financing properties because very seldom am I running into people who have money to put all cash on their properties, unless of course they just sold a property, unless they liquidated the stock. Um, or received an inheritance. And all of these things happen every single day and it does continue to stimulate the market. So we're not in such high interest rate situations that it is inhibitive to the market. And there's no reasonable um, expectation that rates are going to skyrocket based on what it is that we're experiencing. And we're seeing a sort of a, a trend. And that's what we want to focus on is that the trend says we're moving in the right direction. And hopefully we'll be seeing a leveling and a lessening of the raising of rates from, from a Fed standpoint. Now, does that trigger all of the rate changes? No, obviously, you know, as I've relayed, 
there are other factors that are included in rate determination, but that's something that we are just going to have to take with a grain of salt and as, as they come at us. But when one aspect of it is moving in the right direction as relates to inflation, then we have one piece of it that we can at least understand is is moving correctly as it was supposed to in its job. And that's why rates are coming up is the idea of staving off inflation and to slow the market. And I know that seems counterintuitive for a lot of people, but to slow the market so that everything can catch up. And that is where we find ourselves today. Rates are still in the mid sixes for the well-qualified 30-year fixed borrower. And we are happy to serve. Doors are open. Money is being lent. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. Hi, right, Bay Area. Let's talk about housing and the crunch that anyone in the Bay Area has been feeling for many, many years, decades even, uh, but is something that is being felt across the nation in a lot of markets that hadn't actually experienced that before. And that's based on growth. That's based on the magnificent rates that some people achieved when they bought at a certain point in the market, and they're not willing to move and give up the rate that they have there. The opportunity to buy a home is still absolutely available, and the availability of housing is still out there. We're seeing inventory improving uh, for the first time in quite some time, and it's really a boom for home buyers because sellers are, understandably, in this environment, willing to negotiate. We're seeing seller credits being given. We're seeing buyers, and this is my favorite piece of it, we're seeing buyers getting back to having contingencies in place. Now, for those of you who don't know what a contingency is, in a contract, a contingency is a stopping point, a milestone, if you will, in the contract that you have to achieve and then sign off and say, I'm I'm no longer backing out of the transaction because of this contingency. There's a physical inspection contingency where you have all of the inspections done at the property and check out the condition and the situations there. There are appraisal contingencies to determine that the property will appraise and that there are no issues with an actual valuation. Uh, and and the, not just the dollar amount of the value of the appraisal, but also what the report contains and the information that it's all accepted. And then there's the loan contingency period. And that is the point in the contract where you say, I'm my deposit is fully committed. I'm not backing out of the transaction because my loan is already cleared of all the needs for me as a buyer. Now, at the height of the frenzy, we were seeing people, in order to be competitive, being told to submit their offer with no contingencies. You make your offer. If your offer gets accepted, you're, you're in. You're all in. Your money is completely vulnerable your deposit on the contract, and you have nothing to be able to leverage to get out of the contract. So if the property doesn't appraise for the purchase price, no big deal to you because you already said you were going to buy it anyway. If your loan doesn't go through, that's not a big deal to the seller because you said you weren't backing out of the deal if you didn't get a loan. So you have to figure something out. If you did some inspections on the property and discovered a high cost repair that was needed, That doesn't matter because you have already committed to this property. And it was a very dangerous time. Buyers were definitely jeopardized in that. And the pressure to put in an offer that had no contingencies was immense. 
And it definitely put buyers in a very intense position to sort of, you know, if you can imagine just buying without having any opportunity to say, are you, are we certain that what we're buying is what we see here? Uh, do we have the ability to understand what it is that we're looking to purchase? And what, if any issues, are we going to run into here? Um, so it required some people to really get creative with their finances. It required some people to accept a property that had an issue or otherwise jeopardize their funds that were committed to the transaction already in the form of their deposit on the contract. And I'm really excited that we are back to a position where physical contingencies, meaning the inspections you do to determine how's the property's health are back in play, that appraisal contingencies are back in play, and that loan contingencies likewise remain strong. These are all protections for buyers and, and they really should be for sellers. It, it should be understood that that's there. Your property, when you put a property up for sale, you are offering a visual aspect of your property and having all of those contingencies in place allows people to validate that what you're offering for sale is actually what it appears to be. So I, I respect very much that we've come back to this. I appreciate it for both the buyers and the sellers. I think that there's some karma, if you will, in selling and letting people know that they get to explore and make sure that this is a great space and presenting it and then allowing people to validate it. And so we're seeing that in play and we're seeing credits for closing costs where sellers are negotiating with buyers and providing them some additional credit to be able to close on a transaction. And that's definitely something that is more advantageous to buyers, but also provides a benefit to a seller for the buyer to be competitive with their offer price, close in a rapid time frame, and and in some markets, be able to actually bring in offers because someone is stretching and providing all of their available funds for down payment. So it's definitely a better time to buy, and it's still a great time to sell. Price houses are leveling, but they are not plummeting. So if you're a seller out there and you're still thinking, I'm, I'm planning to put my house to market, excellent, excellent idea. And stimulating those markets with more houses coming to market is going to bring more buyers and more availability. Now, there's not a tremendous amount of growth that's happening right now and a lot of building taking place. Um, and we're hoping to see more of that in the coming months as interest rates level out some. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few. This is Mortgage Matters with Misha with financial services expert, Misha Dimitruk. All right, we are back. Talking about the housing market and the pressures to find homes and whether or not we are seeing a course correction, whether or not we're seeing expanding inventory, um, these are buzzwords in, in my industry and across the industry of real estate. And what what really what it means when we're talking about a leveling or a settling of the market is that it's not a runaway train, that it's not one side or the other balance. And I, this is almost like talking about the culture uh, of, in an office. It, it's become sort of a nauseating topic, but balance in all aspects of life is important. And in the financial world, in the real estate environment, within your own home, balance, we all know, is important. And when things are out of balance, um, it, it, one side might be benefiting while the other side is scrambling, trying to catch up. And so having it be more in balance or leveling to a more balanced position is only going to make it a healthier 
marketplace. And so while sellers might be a little bit perturbed that they're not still getting that um, tremendous year over year growth that we had experienced since 2020 on, we are definitely seeing that it is no longer crippling to percentages of the market who are looking to buy. As those prices were soaring, we were seeing more and more of the buyer pool eliminated from possibility because they just were not able to catch up with the train. And so right now what we have is the ability for more and more buyers to come into the fray. And this is where it's really important to be very educated on what your specific set of circumstances are and what path you specifically need to take in order to be prepared. There is no time that is too early to look at your path to homeownership. It is my opinion. It is the opinion of almost every professional that I work with. And it's because oftentimes there are things that can be done that put you in a better position, that posture you to be the best possible buyer in whatever bracket or category you are going to be shopping in, whether that's a matter of a structured savings plan, whether that's a matter of planning your credit payments and debt management effectively for your best benefit, whether it's a matter of understanding what you are doing with your employment and your income earnings opportunities. Oftentimes, I talk to people who don't understand that in this industry, we have qualifying income criteria. And that means that not every dollar that you earn might be eligible to include in a transaction. We have to understand the stability of your income. I worked with a client yesterday who earned a solid $25,000 more last year than the prior year. And when I started asking questions about, well, how did you achieve that addition? They started sort of shuffling the conversation and you know didn't really want to talk about it. And I said, let's just send the verification of employment, get a direct understanding from your employer about what that verification is going to say. The verification came over and it was very not broken out. <laughs> it was one line, nothing broken out the way the pay stubs is. The categories of pay that I was looking at on the actual pay stub did not align with the verification and I had to go back and say, you have 11 categories of pay on this pay stub. I need to understand how all of this was achieved year to date and the prior two years. And there was sort of an irritation point between the buyer and the person in payroll who was having to break out all of this explanation. And neither of them were excited about what I was asking. And when I explained to them that the fact that this person had worked all of these additional hours last year when we finally got the details. This person had worked all of these additional weekend and night shift hours, and that was not included in their regular pay. So they were a salaried employee who also had hourly benefit for working above and beyond. And that is that was not part of their traditional pay structure. And it was not something they had done two years ago. They'd only done it last year. And they, the employer had to be able to commit to the fact that this is something that they might not be able to do again this year. That additional income is not stable. And in this market and in this environment and under the regulations that we're in here, under ability to repay, if that income is not stable, does not have history and does not have a future likelihood of being paid, we cannot include that in the qualifying income. And that person believed that just working for, it wasn't even a year, it was like six months of working all of those extra hours would be enough in order to 
provide them the ability to use that and elevate their purchase power. Likewise, I have clients who routinely will take on a second job and they don't understand that they have to have a two-year history of a second job. Why? Because working a full-time job and then a secondary job is exhausting. And we understand that. And we respect that you're working really, really hard. But in order to ensure that that is stable income and sustainable income, you have to do it for a, a you know sizable period of time. And the industry determination is that two years is that determination. The same thing for being self-employed. If you've gone from a W-2 position to a, a self-employed position or even a 1099 position, sometimes people aren't sure that they're self-employed. Um, they have to have a history of that. And the industry standard is two years. Why? Because that shows that you have understood how to negotiate that type of income and that much effort in your own lives for two full years for us to be able to extract viable and stable income from it. So no one in the mortgage industry who's out in home lending is in the business of owning other people's homes. We're here to lend money and we want to do so in a way that empowers homeowners to understand their ability to qualify and what they can make and make with stable income. So if you have questions about what your eligible income is, if you're looking for structure or support, please don't hesitate to reach out. 831-435-0385. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with this week's challenge. It's Mortgage Matters with Misha. Once again, here's Misha Dimitruk. All right, Bay Area, for those who follow the show, you know this is my favorite part. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I love the weekly challenge because it allows me the opportunity to hear from you, our listeners, and you are the reason that I do this show and bring this to you. Um, so I'm, I'm posing this weekly challenge in hopes of hearing from you. So please call, text, email, hit me up on Facebook, find me on LinkedIn. Let me know what it is that this resonates with you and which piece of it and, and how we can help you. So this week's challenge is really about learning and knowing and owning your next steps to success. Now, everybody is going to have a different piece of what they need to work on in order to achieve their goal. And for some of you, it's going to be setting a goal. For some of you, you know what that goal is, but you haven't articulated it. You haven't written it down and you don't have the steps to, to make it your reality. For some people, they know their goal. They, they know the steps, but they just aren't keeping track of where they're at or they don't know what to do with each of the pieces that they need to make improvement on or make headway on in order to get to that level of achievement at each and every interval to finally have the success as their own. And so this is this week's challenge is what, what do we need to do for you? What do you need to do for you? And how can we here at Essex Mortgage be of assistance? Is it your credit? Do you know where you're at with credit score based on the actual bureaus, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion? There's another credit monitoring company out there. They are not providing you with real credit scores. They provide you with what they think the secret sauce is to these other actual bureaus scores. And oftentimes it's higher than what the bureaus actually are. So where you're monitoring your credit totally counts. So do you need to repair your credit? Do you need credit growth? I deal with a surprising number of clients who underutilize debt and then are 
unhappy with where their credit score is or the opportunity that that limited credit profile provides them. Understanding where you are and where you need to be to optimize your credit is a key function for all financial success. So let's talk about your credit. Let's take a look at your credit report and understand what's reported on you and what it is you need to do in order to posture yourself in the best possible credit life. Income, eligible income, we were just talking about. Do you understand what your eligible income is? Do you know the difference between what your qualifying income is and your take-home income? A lot of people in this industry don't explain readily to buyers that what we're qualifying you on for a purchase is not what you get deposited into your bank. It's not the check that you receive after taxes and deductions and um, you know benefits and all those things. It's before that. So do you know what your qualifying income is? Do you know what your income needs to be in order for you to make the type of purchase that you're looking to achieve? Do you have the money that you need for a down payment? I can't tell you how many times I talk with clients and they say, well, I'm not really ready to take a look at formal pre-approval yet because I'm saving for a down payment. And my response is always the same. If you don't know what you're pre-approved for, how do you know what you're saving towards? Because oftentimes the ability to make a purchase is sooner than people think. And did you know that the interest rate might be even better for you if you didn't go all the way to saving for 20% down? Yes, it's actually true. So the ability for you to understand what your goal is, is a backed into figure based on what you qualify for. And then we have to look further at what's the monthly budget, the manageable monthly budget, and try that all on for size before you get into a contract and it becomes your monthly obligation. Do you have the money for your down payment and know that you'll be bringing closing costs on top of that? When you talk with people about how much money you have for a down payment, do you know the difference and how they are taking that information that you are planning to put, and I'll say $50,000 down on a contract, but that means you're also expected to come in with the closing costs on top of that. Do they take the next step and say, is that your all-in cash number or just what you have earmarked for down payment? Does anyone ask you, what do you need to have in the bank left over at the end of this transaction in order for you to sleep at night and not be afraid of what's coming financially or flexibility or one auto repair. There, there are reports out there that say one $600 auto repair in a month is enough to send, the unplanned auto repair in a month is enough to send the average American household into financial spiral. Do you have that fallback cushion? And do you know what that number is? And are the people that you're working with respecting that? Understanding your purchase power, backing into it with all of these factors is going to help you be in the strongest financial position. It's going to help you understand your purchase power. It's going to help you understand your budget. And it's going to help put you on the path to achieving success for your goals. And again, everyone's goals are going to be different. So whether you're looking to purchase a primary residence, whether it's your first home, whether it's your 15th home, if it's an investment property, whether you're looking to buy a single family home, a condo, or a mobile home, you need to understand the difference about the financing available, then you need to understand what you qualify for and you need a clear path on how to get to the end result that you seek. And you deserve the information presented to you by professionals who care to walk you through the steps and help guide you along the way. We win when you win. And for all of us here at Essex Mortgage, we pride ourselves on helping our clients become the most educated about their own opportunities and empowered by their own information. 
We never want to see somebody who doesn't feel like they've had the process explained to them or that they haven't been told about the costs and fees associated with the transaction. I have people from the radio who call me every week and ask for help in understanding the documentation provided by a different loan officer because the way they're explaining it to them doesn't make sense. It is our job to explain it to you in a way that makes sense to you and creating that road in with information in a digestible way, in a way that you understand is really the reason why this is a job for humans and um, not done best by computers. So if you need help and guidance, please don't hesitate to reach out. 831-435-0385 is my direct phone number. M-E-S-H-A at EssexMortgage.com. You can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. This show rebroadcasts tomorrow between three and oh, six and seven, excuse me, and Sunday between three and four. But as always, if you need customized information, I am here for you. Until next week, be well and stay safe, Bay Area. I look forward to hearing from all of you about how we can help you achieve your success. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.